a lot of keys to success in life. There's a lot of keys to prosperity and uh, ways that you can succeed at whatever you do and whatever you set your hand to. But one of the primary keys of your success is that you obey God regarding the tithe. That you tithe in honor to Him first. And you see God as your source. And one of the ways that you can and will see God as your source is that you always tithe. Or you always give a tenth or ten percent of what God blesses you with or what comes to your life. That you always uh, seek first his kingdom and say, God, I'm going to honor you with a tithe. So one of the keys of your success will be and always will be a tithing. And so we're going to look beginning in this verse, verse 42 of Luke chapter 11. In the words of Jesus, it says, But woe unto you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs, and pass over judgment and the love of God. These ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone. So then, when it comes to judgment and mercy and love, of course, if you look at other scriptures that are similar counterparts to this verse of scripture, it talks about mercy. So when it comes to your judgment or love or it comes to uh, your mercy, uh, God says that you ought to do these things, of course. Uh, You don't just tithe and obey the law in one area or obey the word in one area and delete other areas. Uh, So God, in this verse, is telling us, basically, you just do it all. Uh, You obey all the commandments of God. Uh, Don't uh, delete one over the other. All are important. And certainly, love is very key to your success in life, period. And uh, so... When we do things, we do it in love. When it comes to your obedience to God, you love God. Why do you tithe? You love God first. That's a a first priority in your life, that you love God and you love Him, so therefore you're going to obey Him. And so one area of obedience is that you bring your tithe into the storehouse and honor God with a tithe. So what is a tithe? A tithe is simply one-tenth. The word, if you look it up in the Hebrew, it simply means 10% or one-tenth of what God blesses you with or what comes to your life. A tithe being a tenth, if you look it up in the Hebrew, and I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but I can open the Strong's Concordance or other uh, references, and you can see simple meanings of the words of Hebrew. Well, then, if you look it up in the Greek language, it's not anything... New is simply the same thing. You look it up in the Greek, and it means 10% or tithe. You look it up in Webster's Dictionary, and it means 10% or tithe. So anywhere you go, the tithe means a tithe or 10%. So how do you do that? Well, you just take 10% of whatever comes into you, and you honor God with it. And so in this case, basically Jesus said, you're tithing. Uh, you're tithing of mint and so forth. He said, uh, but you're overlooking something. You're overlooking love and judgment. Well, then uh, you could uh, reverse that as well. Sometimes people are they're walking in love, and, and then they're deleting the tithe issue. Or, or uh, sometimes people uh, kind of like 
say, well, I'm serving the Lord. Won't that count for tithe? No. If you didn't have anything else to give, now certainly God honors that, right? If you didn't have anything and you say, Lord, I'm going to serve you with my time and do what I can. And I've seen people do that because uh, they didn't have it. They were out of work. And so they said, Lord, I don't have any income this moment, but I'm going to serve you. I'm going to do something with what I can. And I'm going to serve with my time. Well, that's good. But uh, t- time service does not uh, replace your tithing. Uh, your loving doesn't replace your tithing, or your tithing doesn't replace your loving. In other words, all the commandments of God or all the Word of God are important, and we want to obey any and all commands that God gives to us. As Christians, uh, thank you for your exuberance. I don't want you to get so excited. So let's go to Leviticus. Leviticus, and we're going to go to Leviticus chapter 27 and verse 30. Leviticus chapter 27 and verse 30. And it says, And all the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. So in this particular uh, passage, or this, uh, this verse, and as we read along, we're going to see, uh, first of all, that it was primarily an agricultural society. So as uh, people who are raising crops, God says, this is how you tithe, all the seed of the land. In other words, out of all your seed, tenth, a tithe belongs to God. All right, all the fruit of the land, out of all your fruit or your produce, A tithe or a tenth belongs to God. It says, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, he says, it is the Lord's. A tithe is the Lord's or it belongs to the Lord's. It is the Lord's, it belongs to the Lord, and it is holy unto the Lord. In other words, God has dedicated the tithe as holy. So then, if I take the tithe and I utilize it for something else, then it becomes unholy. In other words, unholy use for something God has separated and said is to be dedicated to Him. All right, now notice the verse. He says, all the tithe is the Lord's. Now, I'm a literal Bible teacher. In other words, if that's what it says, I don't have to say explain it away with the Greek or the Hebrew or explain it away with tradition. You know, don't explain the Bible away. Just take it for what it says. If it is the Lord's, then that means it's His. Well, then that tells me that I'm simply a steward. A steward is someone who takes care of something for someone else. If you read a a story of a steward in the Scripture, there's numerous uh, stories, but Joseph was a steward. He was a faithful steward in the house of Potiphar. Now, he got lied on by... Potiphar's wife went to jail and prison, you know, but he was a faithful steward. Well, then God, because he was a faithful steward and that was an unjust uh, judgment or penalty for him, so God ends up raising him up. Now, he's second in command to Pharaoh. It says about Potiphar's house that when he was a steward over his house, that 
Potiphar didn't even know what he owned or possessed. In other words, he so entrusted everything that he had to Joseph that he didn't even know what he possessed. He had so much wealth, and yet he trusted Joseph to take care of it. So he was a faithful steward. Well, God so his faithfulness, even though he was unjustly treated. And so God ended up lifting him up, and he was a ruler in the land of Egypt. He was second in command to Pharaoh. No one was above him but Pharaoh. So now he actually, as a faithful steward, he's been raised up to to really manage the food supply. Not just to Egypt, but to basically the world. And so everybody was eating out of Joseph's hand, if you will. In other words, nobody had food because of the famine unless they got it from Joseph. And so he was a faithful steward. Great uh, story of a faithful steward in the Bible. Well then, uh, as a Christian, we are uh, to be faithful stewards of what God puts in our hands. Now, according to Scripture in the verses that we just read, or the verse we just read, uh, we see that uh, we are stewards of something that belongs to God. So, Joseph was a steward of something that belonged to uh, Potiphar. Then he was a steward of really what belonged to uh, Pharaoh. In fact, he bought up the land, and you know, he gave them food and. As a payment, land and all kinds of uh, property he received on Pharaoh's behalf. So Pharaoh did pretty well during the famine. And the reason he did is because Joseph had the wisdom of God to interpret the dream, but also had the wisdom of God to manage the resources. To make a plan and to follow that plan and to manage it well. And so he came out extremely blessed or wealthy. Well, he was a faithful steward and so therefore prospered. Well, your stewardship, first stewardship, is that you're taking care of God's 10%. And he's given you very clear instructions what to do with it. Malachi 3, bring you all the tithe into the storehouse. All the tithe is the Lord's. And he says, this is what you do with it. Bring you all the tithe into the storehouse into your local church where God has placed you or planted you. He said, bring it into the storehouse so that there would be food in my house. Well, what if Joseph was an unfaithful steward? Then he wouldn't have planned well, and he wouldn't have all that food or resource to deal with when the famine hit. Years of plenty, then years of famine. But he was a faithful steward, so therefore when the famine time came, then he had plenty of resources not only for themselves and for the nation of Egypt, but for other lands as well, and they would come to him and purchase food from him. All right, so as a planner, you want to be faithful with what God has put in your hand. So the first part of your faithfulness as a steward is that you honor God with your tithe. All right. So then, if you're going to honor God with your tithe, you bring the tithe into the storehouse, uh, then uh, you have then uh, been faithful over what God has given to you. Then he's given you 90 more percent, 90 percent, that you can then give an offering out of that, and then you could uh, save some money, and then, of course, you could spend some money to take care of your needs and your desires, right? 
So rather than uh, spending your money first, you give first. I said, rather than spending your money first, you give first. Or rather than, uh, you know, saving your money, you give first. Well, first you, uh, you, you sow your seed or you tithe and you give your offerings. And then secondly, you save some money. In other words, don't spend all you get. I mean, even if it's a little bit, wherever you're at in, in your life, so save some money and then spend some money and enjoy your life. And God wants you to. He wants you to enjoy the blessings of God. But you don't spend all your money because you spend all your money, then you don't have things that you really want in your future. In other words, there's poor planning. Joseph was not a poor planner. He was a planner, and so therefore, he had a vision from God. He knew what the future held. He knew that he would have seven years of plenty, and then he would have seven years of famine. So he planned well, so therefore, he had the resources in the time of famine. So if there is a shortfall, then you always have some resources. Are you with me? All right, but if you always put God first, and you honor God first, and tithe first, then there's some money to save, and there's some money to spend. Thank you, Jesus. All right, so with a, being a faithful steward over the tithe, uh, let's consider stewardship uh, for a moment again. Uh, considering stewardship, if you're a steward, uh, let's say that you're a cashier at any uh, retail store or uh, any restaurant, you're taking care of the uh, transactions, let's say. All right, if you're taking care of the money, uh, it's not like uh, if you had a really good night or a good week that you could say, oh, huh, wow, I deserve a bonus. Ah. You, you don't get to skim off the top. Come on, come no, and say, wow, it was a really good week this week. No, because you got to count it up and you got to balance the thing, right? Or if you're in an accounting department, you know, in a corporation, you don't get to say, wow, we've had a really good month. I believe I deserve a bonus and skim off the top and play with the numbers. You don't get to do that. Or you, if you do it, then you might go directly to jail. Do not pass go. You hear a clang of bars and you're inside looking out. Nowhere to go. You know, small place, pretty restricted place to go to jail, prison. So what are you doing if you do that, if that money belongs to that corporation or that restaurant or that store, that retail uh, store, whatever uh, your uh, store or company or corporation you're working for, that money belongs to them. You're simply a steward. You do with it as you are directed, right? As the director, whoever is overseeing this is what this money is for. This is the purpose of this money. This is where it goes. And you're simply managing it on the behalf of someone else because you're a steward. It doesn't belong to you. It's not at your discretion. Right. Now, when I say that, I understand that tithing uh, is really doing with it, not at your discretion, but at God's command. What? All the tithes, who does it belong to? Is the Lord's. It belongs to the Lord. So if it belongs to God, I'm simply a steward of it. I'm going to give it where he said give it or put it where he said put it. And he said bring it into the storehouse. Bring it into the local church. Put it in the house of God so that there's provision in my house. All right. So then I'm going to do that. Rather than skimming off the top say, oh, well, I need to do this. Or I need this or I want this or I'd like this or 
I believe I want to spend my money on this. Well, you can do that because uh, you're an individual and anyone has a personal choice. In other words, God doesn't make someone tithe. He just gives you the command and he says, this is the blessing that will come if you do. And if you don't, this is what will happen as well. There's a curse that is released and it's in the earth and you're going to experience it in some degree if you don't obey me when you know to do so. To him that knows to do right or do the will of God or obey the word of God. In other words, if you know to do it and you don't do it, to him the scripture says it is sin. All right, in other words, if you know the Word of God and you've heard the Word of God, then it becomes then your responsibility to obey the Word of God and to be a doer of the Word and not just a hearer. So then, as a pastor, it is my responsibility to teach you the Word. That, that is my responsibility. And so, as a pastor... I've endeavored to do that over the years, and obviously there are many things that we teach on as a, as a pastor, uh, and yet this is one thing, and that it, it is an important thing. I grew up in church, and uh, I was taught to tithe as a child, and I did it because I was taught that it was the right thing to do, but honestly, I couldn't go to the Scripture. And I heard little to no teaching on the subject as a child, as a teenager, but I tithed all my life. When I worked as a, as a kid and as a teenager, I tithed. I gave and gave above my tithe. But I had little to no instruction. I was taught that it was the right thing. Listen, religious tradition is not what produces faith. All right. Now, God honors, God honors your obedience to the best you know. But faith in God is based upon the truth of God's word. So a person must have the word of God in order to have faith in God. Because it's not just a command to do it, but there's a blessing attached to it. In other words, when you do the word and obey the word, then God attaches a blessing to that command. And he says he would open the windows of heaven and pour out blessing on your life that there's not room enough to receive. And I didn't hear that. I just, I just heard that it was the right thing to do to tithe. So I did what I knew to do with what I had, knowledge I had, but I don't want you to be without knowledge. I don't want you to be ignorant of your obedience. In other words, if you're obeying God, I want you to know that there's a blessing attached to it, and God obviously wants you to know because he's the one that wrote it. So God wants you to know that he wants you blessed when you obey him that you can live in the blessings of God and the blessing of the Lord will be on your life. Amen? So here we see that simply it is our responsibility as, uh, as believers to then obey the commands that we hear or obey the word of God that we hear or apply the word of God to our life and do it in faith. Not just as an act. Although it's a good thing that you did it if you didn't know. In other words, you, if you didn't know the scripture. But it's not God's best. It's a good thing that I did it, but it's not God's best. It's God's best for you to have the word of God so that when you act in obedience, you know this is what God commands, but you also know this is what God says about the blessing side. Amen? All right, so he says here in this uh, verse 31, he says, if a man will it 
will it all redeem out of his tithes, he shall add thereto the fifth part thereof. In other words, if you want to uh, purchase some of your seed or some of your fruit, if you want to purchase it, then you would add 20% of the value. In other words, you want to make sure you're not just kind of working God, so to speak. Because you really can't work God in that sense. You can't take advantage of God. I mean, some people probably try, but, you know, it doesn't work very well. All right, so here in this case, he said, if you want to redeem any of it, if you want to purchase it, then you need to add 20% of the value or fifth part there, meaning 20% of the value, so you would be perhaps discouraged from it. I mean, like managing your financial life, uh, I have been discouraged from not paying the credit card bill whenever it comes, because I don't want to pay 20-some percent interest. I use it for managing my finances, but I don't want to pay them interest. So I manage it, so I'm paying the bill when it comes on time so that I'm not paying interest. Are you with me? So I would encourage people to manage their financial life in that way rather than having a bunch of credit card debt, and it's a necessary. You say, well, it is necessary. Well, there's, it's not always necessary because a lot of times we think what's necessary is just what we want. I'm preaching real good. All right. All right, but I'm not going to elaborate any further. That's just reality, right? So then, uh, in, in the case of uh, borrowing it from God, so to speak, or saying, I want this, it would be discouraging to pay 20% extra for it. You could just go get some seed somewhere else or get some fruit somewhere else. Don't redeem the tithe. Or, actually, you got 90% left, so there's your seed and there's your, right? So why would you want to borrow from there? All right, so then... God tells you that, then he gives you, see, God gives you clear instruction, verse 32, and concerning the tithe of the herd or the flock, even whatsoever passeth under the rod, the tent shall be holy unto the Lord. He said, whatever, the herd or the flock, meaning your cattle or your sheep, he said, if you are taking care of your cows, and if you're going to take care, be a good steward of what you have, then you're going to really count your cows. Not just when you go to sleep, you know. You count your cows. Why? You're taking care of your, uh, your livelihood. You're being a good business person. So you count your cows. Well, when you're counting them, you got every tenth cow belongs to God. So it's pretty simple. Every tenth one, you count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten. Okay, that belongs to God. And then you're counting your sheep. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Oh, that one belongs to God. Next verse, he talks about don't switch them out. If you switch them out, in other words, you want to switch this one, give this one to God instead of that one. He said both are holy. In other words, God knows man's nature. <laughs> like in Proverbs says, it is not, it is not, saith the buyer. And it's not worth all that. But then he, when he goes away, he, he's laughing. He took the deal. All right, so he knows the nature of, of people, and so he's just letting you know. Now, if you start switching it out, saying, I want this cow, and I don't want to give that tenth cow to God, he said, when you start switching them out, he said, they both are holy. So to be playing the games with me. All right, so uh, there's no games with God. You know, God sees it all. 
You know, he's, so, so he's given us clear instructions. So if you count your sheep, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, number ten, it belongs to God. That's, that's God. Set that aside, that belongs to God. So 10% belongs to God. So if you got $1, 10 cents belongs to God. If you got $10, $1 belongs to God. If you've got $100 and $10 belongs to God. It's very simple. God didn't make it difficult. Sometimes people have a little, you know, maybe they're not, you don't have to be a great mathematician to figure out, you know, that one, one out of ten belongs to God. So, how many, how many dimes in a dollar? There's ten. So, ten cents belongs to God. If, uh, how many tens are in a hundred dollars? Well, ten dollars belongs to God. hundred dollars out of every thousand. thousand dollars out of every ten thousand. Right? So whatever comes to you, one-tenth, it belongs to God. It's not mine. It's not at my discretion. Uh, if I'm going to obey God's word, it's not discretionary spending here. This, is, this belongs to God. I'm going to honor God. I know exactly what he's told me to do with it. Give it to him. Bring it into the storehouse. And so there's, therefore, that's what I'm going to do with it. Are you with me? Well, then... God blesses you every time you tithe and you honor him. Let's go over to uh, Malachi, which is uh, kind of a staple for this particular subject. Malachi chapter 3. In Malachi chapter 3, we're going to begin in verse 7. But uh, it's estimated that about... Ten million, there are 10 million tithers in America that donate more than 50 billion annually to religious and charitable causes. Well, then, Barna says this. George Barna has all kinds of statistics. He, he says this. He reports that 5% of all Americans and 12% of born-again Christians tithe or donate 10% or more of their income. 12% of born-again Christians. Now, when we say Christians, we're not just talking about people that go to church. Because not everybody that goes to church is born again. So we're talking about born-again Christians, be believers in Jesus Christ, believers that Jesus died, buried, and raised again, and confessing Jesus as Lord uh, in their lives. Right? So he says 12% of born-again uh, believers uh, actually tithe in the U.S. Well... Hopefully, we are at a better statistic in this church because we teach on it, and we've given people the word, and so uh, we trust that people are going to obey God's word. Now, the Holy Spirit then teaches you the word and teaches you to prosper. God wants you to prosper. It's not about God just wants uh, to get your money. You know, it's not like heaven is in this, uh, you know, going through a slump, you know, or uh, the bubble in heaven popped, you know, no. And it's not like Jesus is uh, talking to the Father about their recession in heaven and saying, you know, Father, I don't know. What do you think? We got to chip some of those gold streets and take it down to Las Vegas to the Las Vegas pawn shop and maybe we could get a little help up here in heaven. You know, no, Jesus is not hawking the gold in heaven, you know, and, and Jesus is not taking it to the pawn shop for this week, you know, so we can make it through the week. And you know, he's not taking his pearl gates down. They wouldn't even know what to do with that kind of pearl. Can you imagine the oyster? All right, so 
One pearl for one gate, you know, it's just huge pearl. Uh, that was a big piece of sand. All right, so you understand heaven is not lacking. Heaven is not in a recession, and heaven is not trying to figure out how they're going to make it for the next week or month or year. Uh, the economy in heaven does not fluctuate like down here. So in heaven, it's a blessed place. And God is endeavoring to bless us with the blessing of heaven. Some of heaven on the earth. Now, in this particular passage here in Malachi chapter 3, let's look at it. It says, even from the days of your fathers, you're gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But you said, wherein shall we return? And God answers with a question, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, even this whole nation. He said, you have robbed me. And how have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. So here, God is talking to the nation of Israel. And he said, return to me, and I'll return to you, because you've gone away from me in this particular area of your obedience. In other words, you are not obeying this commandment to tithe. And he said, the whole nation is under a curse and is operating under a curse. And and, uh, I want you to get out from under that curse. And I want you to get under the blessing. And I want you to enjoy the blessing of God and the blessing of heaven in your life. So I want you to return to me. That's God's passion for our lives. In other words, he doesn't want us to live under the curse of this world. He wants us to live under the blessing of God. And so he's trying to get the children of Israel in a place or in a position to enjoy his blessing. So he says, return to me and I'll return to you. And they, they just are like, well, how shall we return? Uh, we didn't know we were gone anywhere. In other words, uh, the devil tries to put people asleep slowly. Uh, they don't even realize they're not obeying God. And then eventually God says, it's a wake-up call. Well, understand that in some cases in our lives, I mean, we just gave you a statistic that 12% of born-again Christians are tithing. In some cases in my life, obviously, I was taught, I wasn't taught uh, so much about the Bible, honestly, uh, about tithing, but I was taught to do it. So I did what I knew to do. I just explained that. But I was taught to tithe, so it's kind of, uh, I, I don't struggle with it. I don't like, well, I don't know if I want to do that or not. I really have this other thing I'd like to do. It's just not one of those things that I've struggled with because I've been doing it all my life since a child. Well, I understand that if you look at statistics as well, that at different age levels, the lower, it lowers the percentage of people that transition or make that transition. In other words, if you uh, are 25 it would be easier for you to transition if you've never tithed before. In other words, one day you hear that it's God's will for you to tithe according to the Bible, and now you're faced with the truth of God's Word, and you have to make a choice, or you have to make a decision, because God doesn't make one do it, right? He doesn't make a person tithe. He gives you the commandment, and then you have to to choose to obey or disobey. 
All right, so when you come to that point in your life and you heard the truth and uh, the Word of God was clear to you, and now you have to make a choice or make a decision. If you're 25 years old, it's easier to make that transition. Statistics pretty well prove it. If you're 40, it becomes harder to make that transition because you've been living the way you've been living all these years, and you haven't been given a tithe to God, so why should I start now? All right, if you're 50 or 60, then it's a harder transition. Why? Because you've been living that way all these years. And so it's a major shift in your thinking to say, now I'm actually going to give 10% of what God blesses me with or what I receive. Am I going to give 10% of it to the church or to God? Well, uh, that's where we have to make those choices and those decisions. Uh, We are faced with choices all the time in our life. And when it comes to God's word, I'll guarantee you, based on the Bible, if you will obey God, it will bring blessing to your life. It will work. God's word works. God's not a man that he should lie. If he gave you the command, he didn't just give you the command because he needs some more money in heaven. No, he operates his kingdom this way. Well, it's only to your benefit when you honor God and you choose to obey him. So he said, rather than living under the curse, he tells you how to get out from under the curse that is in this world. And he says, you can get right under the blessing that the blessing of God would come on your life. So we go to uh, verse 10 of chapter uh, 3. Verse 10 says, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. Now we saw in Leviticus uh, 27 that all the tithe, what? Is the Lord's. We've uh, determined that you are then a steward. Well, he's given us a command. Like the other uh, 88% of people that don't tithe, God's given us a command that says, okay, I want you to return to me, and I will return to you. At whatever stage of life you're in, if you hear the word, then now's the time for you to make a choice, make a decision. God, I'm going to honor you with the tithe. So he says, this is what you do with it. He said, bring you all the tithe into the storehouse. The storehouse in our day would be your local church. So you bring all the tithe into the storehouse. And what do you do with it? it, What's the purpose of it? He says, so that there may be food or meat in my house. In other words, there's provision in God's house so that the church or the kingdom of God could move forward. Because it takes money for any endeavor, right? It takes money for your household to function. It takes money for the church or the house of God to function as well. So no church is going to succeed without somebody saying, I believe in the power of the tithe. I believe in the blessing of the tithe as well as the command. And so people doing that, in this case, he said 12%. Again, I believe we're a higher percentage, but uh, we certainly are far from 100%. But the best is that every believer, it's not just for the church's sake, though. Because he said that there's the first uh, reason he gives is that the uh, food is in the house of God or provision is in the house of God. Then he says, now, prove me by doing this. Prove me now herewith or Uh, Other translations say, put me to the test. Prove me by bringing the tithe and see if I will not open you the windows of heaven. Are you with me? 
and see if I'll not open you the windows of heaven and pour out what? Blessing that there's not room enough to receive it. So God is now telling you, oh, thank you, Jesus. Maybe we should look at the Bible. It said, bring you all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. Prove me now herewith, saith what? The Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies. God says, I will make sure of this. <laughs> he said, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies will make sure that this happens in your life. This is a declaration from God. Just like God has given the commandment to bring all the tithe. He didn't say some of the tithe, half the tithe, or 3% of the tithe. He said all the tithe. The word tithe means 10%, so you can't bring part of the tithe. There is no such thing because it means 10th. Are you with me? Bring you all the tithes. So again and again in Scripture, when it talks about the tithe, it says all. So you can't just bring a portion of it because it's not a tithe till it hits 10%. So here we go. He says, when you bring the tithe into the storehouse, then you can put me to the test or you can prove me. In other words, you can hold me to, your, to my word. I mean, God's a covenant God. Tithing is part of your covenant right. To tithe and to receive the blessing from your obedience to tithe. So he says, this is what I'm going to do for you, saith the Lord of hosts. I will open the windows of heaven where we don't have to hock the gold in heaven. And we don't have to visit Las Vegas and see if we can make it one time. Come on. Uh, we don't have to uh, buy a lottery ticket to hopefully we're going to make it and we're going to be rich. Some people have more faith in the casino than they do in God and in his word. It's true. They're hoping for something by chance to happen to them. I'm believing that something by God's word and promise will happen to you. Hallelujah. When you honor God with your tithe, God declares that he would open the windows of heaven and pour out blessing. And when he opens the windows of heaven, the blessing of heaven hits your life. His will is done in earth as it is in heaven. And the blessing of heaven hits your life. Something supernatural is going to happen in your life. Life to bring blessing to your life. And he wants it for every person. He wants it for every believer. Now, when God gives this kind of promise, why would someone not do it? Well, many Christians don't, obviously. 88% body of Christ white in America don't, don't do it. Why? Well, number one is fear of lack. They're afraid that if they do, they won't have what they need or what they want. Fear of lack. Number two is the love of money is the root of all evil. Now, money itself is neither evil nor good. You can put money into one person's hand that is a good man or woman, and they'll do good with it. You put uh, money into the hands of an evil person, and they'll do evil with it. It's just the way it is. So money itself is neither good nor evil, but the love of money is the root. So if you follow the money trail, you'll find the root of all evil, whether it's prostitution, 
human trafficking, drugs. It's not just the drugs. It's not just the sex. It's the love of money. And people will sell people and they'll sell drugs and they'll do things to harm other individuals. Why? Because they love money. But as a Christian, we need to kill that love of money. And say, I love God more than I love money. I love God more than I love things. I love God more than I love stuff. I love God more than I love my house. I love God more than I love a new car. I love God more than a pair of new shoes. I love God more than a dress or a suit. I love God. And my love for God motivates me to live for Him. And my love for God motivates me to give to Him. My love for God motivates me to obey Him. Whatever He said, that's what I'll do. But the love of money is the root of all evil. And if you want to find evil and the root of it, follow the money trail. So, next, they don't see God as their source. God, to them, is not their source. Or fourth, we could say that in their case, they have become self-reliant. The longer you live, the more self-reliant you can become. In other words, now it is not necessarily God. And sometimes the more you have, the more self-reliant you can become. You now, it's, uh, you know, I used to trust in God. But you know, at every stage or phase of your life, no matter how prosperous or blessed you get, I've seen some people, they, you know, they would serve God totally faithfully until they really prospered. And when they started prospering so much, then they don't even have time for God. They got to do everything else but get to church, you know. They, everything's about their work and their business and their prosperity and their, their vacation and all. And God's not against any of it. God's for all of it. He wants you to prosper. He wants you to succeed. He wants your business to succeed. He wants you to take a vacation. You just don't forget God when you prosper. There are warnings in the Bible. That tell you not to forget God when you get all the stuff. When you get the prosperity, you remember where it came from. Remember, it's he that gives you the power to get wealth. It's God that gave you the power to get wealth. It's God that blessed your life. It's God that has given you what you have in life. It's his goodness and it's his blessing. And he even reigns on the just and the unjust. In other words, it's not just to the faithful. It's just that the faithful should recognize that it's his goodness. So when he says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse, put me to the test, see if I'll not open you the windows of heaven, pour you out a blessing that there's not room enough to receive, then you ought to have faith to believe. Amen? Because that's why we preach it. That's why we tell you so that you have faith in God. So number five is they lack faith and trust in God. Very basic. They lack faith and trust in God. That's why they wouldn't tithe. So what is the cure for unbelief? It's the same as it is in every area of your spiritual life. It's teaching of God's word. Because teaching of God's word will cure unbelief. It will drive doubt out. 
The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And the Holy Spirit will give you confidence, faith, and assurance that if you do your part, God will do his part. Hallelujah. And he emphatically declares, the Lord of hosts, he will, the Lord of armies will, he'll fight for you to prosper. Amen. He'll make sure you prosper. And you think about Joseph who was sold into slavery. Yeah, he was sold. His own brothers left him in a hole to die. Then they got him and hey, a little resource here. Well, then he was raised up in Potiphar's house and prospered amazing. But even when he was lied about, God raised him up again. In other words, you can't keep a good man down. Because God will honor your faithfulness, hallelujah, your stewardship. God will honor you if you believe the word of God enough to do it and act upon it. There will be a blessing that is released in your life that only God could do, that it was beyond you and just your natural ability. It was heaven's blessing on your life that he blessed whatever you put your hand to. He made it to succeed. You look at your life and you say, God has been good to me. Hallelujah. God has blessed my life. It is a blessing of the Lord that makes rich and he adds no sorrow with it and so it's God's blessing on your life and know when he reigns his blessing it is his goodness somebody say amen